other things that relate to traditional banking, but it's changing a lot. And uh, even I realize I need to be more in data science and, and any other subjects related to technology, modern technology. So uh, this was a sort of like a moment of recognition. Welcome back to Corvinus Business Intelligence. My name is Theodore Boone. I'm on the faculty of Corvinus University School of Business here in beautiful Budapest, and I'm with my co-host Adam Herzeg, a student at Corvinus University School of Business. As always, we'd like to thank our sponsors, the Budapest Business Journal and Unilife.hu, unilife.hu. Today, we're delighted to have back with us for our third segment with Gerge Fabian, the executive director of the Budapest Institute of Banking and of the Central Bank of Hungary. In our podcast before this, we were talking a lot about the new Money Museum, which I definitely would recommend people check out. It just opened here in Budapest, and of course, also our podcast for more information on that. But today, we're going to start our discussion addressing the impact in more detail that technology has had on the labor landscape. And Adam, please go ahead in that regard. So you stated that due to technological advancements, a lot of uh, new jobs are being created and a lot of jobs are going. So how will the future job landscape look like? So what are these jobs? I really recommend uh, reading the World of Economics Future of Jobs report, because there you have that what are the jobs to be extincted, so to say, and what are the new new rising jobs, but it's really about human and machine sort of shift. So jobs that are more about automation or something that you can see it's more monotonous, they are to be extincted because technology will prevail there. And uh, jobs that are more about creativity, therefore humans will remain prevail. That's so in the future of jobs, definitely you need to have more knowledge and skills about technology. It includes blockchain, it includes AI, it includes cloud. These are the main areas so definitely people need to focus. Like future of jobs, like an AI supervisor, for instance, supervising the AI results. And that can happen in compliance because they are much better in fraud detection and can be in risk management as well. Obviously, it's not pretty old value. You would just leave this job for robots, but so need a human interaction, you need a human judgment there, but it's more like an upscale job where you, where you supervise the results and you don't know the monotonous results. What was really shocking for me is uh, in uh, 2019, uh, 100 central bankers did a course, it's AI in finance. It was the Peshtov Institute of Banking and uh, it was the partner institute who brought the CFT Center for Finance, Technology and Entrepreneurship that brought the, brought the course. And there was a graduation ceremony and one of the guy was talking about AI and he showed an AI fintech about equity analysis. So what the AI did actually, it processed the other information, publicly available information or audited information, balance sheets of the company and it created an equity analysis within 15 seconds which is normally a London-based equity analysis job of one day. And that was a shocking thing. And uh, if they start comparing the information about, and one thing is when I mentioned about future of jobs, it's definitely data science, which is going to be much 
more important and see in my areas banking financial stability analysis that new analysts are starting to be more like a data scientist than just a banking analyst so, so it's an important but if they started to compare the data of what an equity analyst would do and the AI and it's even let's say even or even better than the equity analyst uh, judgment and it's 15 seconds. The Budapest Institute of Banking is involved in that relationship between technology and finance. Yeah, it's, uh, it's one of our focus area for sure. And uh, the other is sustainability is again something that is getting more and more important. And it requires some knowledge like, you know, banking analysts are typically not for the bonds who have been dealing with very micro data about technology and about sustainability. So when we start with first with the climate stress testing, when you say that how climate is impacting the balance sheets of the banking sector, it's like you need to have knowledge about sustainability, about climate related sciences, which is not like a, a banking professional too normally. And when I think about technology and, and science and their impact on, on society, I think that Hungary has a long history in this area. It's ideal that the Budapest Institute for Banking is here. I think of uh, Janos von Neumann, John von Neumann, his having built the basement of the Institute for Advanced Study in Princeton, either one of the first or the first uh, computers, and his uh, unpublished manuscript, The Computer and the Brain and the Impact that that has had. So there's a, there's a rich history in Hungary, of course, build on here. And what, what we'd like to do now is get a little bit uh, better sense of Gerge Fabian, the person, and how you develop towards this position that you hold now. Um, if you wouldn't mind going back a bit, even before uh, your tenure at the National Bank. 13 years. <laughs> uh, I guess let's start with where did you grow up? I'm from the countryside. Uh huh. It's Kaposvár. It's the southern, beautiful, southern beautiful part city. of Hungary. Yes. And uh, did you go to university in Kaposvár? I started there, and yes. then I ended up in Maastricht. Uh huh. So I studied there, masters in, in financial economics, which is a bit uh, finance and economics combined with econometrics. And that's where I started to dig into more in, in banking. Uh, actually, my thesis was about banking competition and how it's affecting the interest rate pass through, how it's affecting monetary policy. Mm -hmm. And soon thereafter, did you join the National Bank? I, I started here, actually. I came back from the Netherlands and then I, the other day I started working here. So it, it's I was still in Maastricht when I applied it and I... Yeah, that was a very different period as in 2009. So that was a very different period than nowadays. Like they told me that there were like over 150 applicants for the job or maybe 400. I don't know if that's a lot. I mean, if you think about now when we start searching for people in the, in, in the new generation, it's a huge number. And there were like four rounds. Nowadays it's one round. What was your first job at the National Bank? I started as a junior analyst, which is normally typically we got their one-year fixed contract. So not really an intern, but so it's a fixed-term junior analyst basically at the financial stability department. So it was about financial stability reports. And this is where I started. It's banking analysis, 
credit market development, the, the real estate market. And it's very important for, for financial stability, given the exposure of the financial sector towards the, the real estate sector. After that, it's just, uh, you know, it's just going up on the, on the, on the ladder. So senior analyst and then somewhere in 2012, still, I mean, a crisis is saying Game of Thrones as chaos is a ladder or, or something like that. But they said that there are opportunities and obviously when there is a crisis, there is a much more work and much more opportunities. And in 2012, I became a team leader in the analyst team head of department and director. There came many, many opportunities where I could prove myself, starting with the settlement, and we needed to create uh, how the banks are, are settling the unilateral interest rises, uh, interest hikes that they did during the crisis on, on household exposure. So that was like a pretty much a complex thing and uncharted area and the conversion of the exposure to Hungarian foreign, from Swiss foreign to Hungarian foreign, which was very timely actually at that time, because right after this maneuver, the Swiss Central Bank changed its policy, resulting in a huge appreciation in the Swiss franc. So it was a very good move, so to say, but obviously I was working on the operational side to get it done. So these were like uh, huge jumps in the in the in the career. Like I was in 2014, end of 2014, in 2015, I became the director of the directorate, uh, the financial system analysis directorate, and then move further and further. And right now, it, the establishment of Budapest Institute of Banking, not everything was successful. Like I had a important role in, in establishing a bad bank, which is say was more promising, but at the end of the day it was a long-term discussion with the commission, which I, I led the discussion. So from professional point of view, this was very uncharted area, how to determine pricing methodology of, of assets that are not on a liquid market. So on liquid market it's an easy thing, on an illiquid market it's, it's a hard thing. So it was professionally a perfect job and actually it was something which is a precedent in the European Union, in a new regulation, regulatory scheme that you get an agreement on a pricing methodology because you, you have to buy at market price. So you have to determine the market price, otherwise it's a state aid and that's not allowed in the, in the financial sector, not anymore. So that was really interesting, but it took a lot of time and then at the end of the day, the non-performing exposure situation improved a lot. The market started to operate, and then they decided to, to, to rather privatize. But it, it, it was a good learning curve. And then it came the Budapest Institute of Banking to be established. Obviously, another big milestone was the museum, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'll turn over to Adam in, in a minute. But what appealed to you about the opportunity to be involved in the Budapest Institute of of banking well uh, that was a request from the governor so <laughs> so so that already made an yeah. appeal <laughs> yeah. yeah huge appeal yeah you know uh, one of my team is in the research team and back in uh, early 2017 2016 they have been working on an agent-based modeling which is pretty complex it's a uh, 
Meaning that you not just think about some sort of aggregate analysis or some normal DSGs or some equilibrium modeling, but really you do like you have individual agents in the economy, like let's say 4 million households, and this is how you model any changes in financial stability policy. It's a lot of processing, so it requires really strong machines. But even with these strong machines, some of the simulation takes days which they are running. Because there is a modeling behind it, but it's altogether it, it imagines that 4 million people, 4 million households are doing individually yeah, based on some uh, hypothesis, but it's not about rational. For instance, it's not about that they are operating fully, they're working fully rationally. So it, it, it was a really challenge to go through and we met some guys uh, in cloud computing and they introduced uh, us to a fintech company that they promised that with cloud computing they can reuse dramatically this computational time. So we ended up in an office in here and you know it was like uh, we had an online meeting in, uh, with London which was in 2016 something like uh, never happened. Now it's after COVID it's obviously it's uh, Everybody knows it, but at the time it was like a thing, you know, we were in suits like uh, like central bankers, they were like uh, tech guys already. Uh, as you imagine a, a startup company in Silicon Valley, like free cokes and uh, free popcorns in the office and so uh, something like that. And that was some of the thing that you, you have a clash of culture sort of thing that you realize that the world is changing and uh, it's, uh, it's channeling into a traditional central banking as well. And then a uh, uh, Singapore FinTech Festival was again something that realized that it's uh, banking is not going to be uh, to relate to traditional banking, but it's changing a lot. And uh, even I realized that I, I need to be more in data science and, and uh, any other subjects. So, related to technology, modern technology. So uh, this was a sort of like a moment of recognition that it's, uh, it's, it's something good with what we are doing. And, and you know, it's like in any time, and uh, what I really believe in it is it's like a sort of like a learning by doing. So we start doing it and courses by courses, develop with the development of the courses or with the feedbacks of the courses, you realize the importance of what you are doing and it helps you to develop further the company uh, or the curriculum. At the beginning, it was important that you realize that there are lots of changes and you need uh, further education. And when you go into the work, dig into the work, you, you realize even more that uh, that, that, that was a good idea and you, you can much more ideologize that uh, make it an ideology that yeah that was really important and this thing but you really step by step you see that uh, that was important what would you consider your most valuable skill to be and what has helped you most to perfect this i think i, I really the guy who can get things done and, and that's a very important thing if you get different things like uh, bad bank asset pricing or money museum or or methodology for settlement of interest rate overpayments so one skill is definitely versatility and the second is uh, it's more than teamwork and it's more than motivating people but really getting the results and like uh, managing all these titles and all these uh, processes must come with a lot of stress so how do you handle stress and burnout 
not well. Yeah, the thing is that uh, one of the important things and why can I convince people to join me on this road or this path is that uh, it's really about creating some value, something that is unique. Like it was a, it's a recent, I'm sorry for the recent examples, but it was like a money museum. One. This is a value creation, not just as its whole, but many of the parts of this thing, every part, single part, it's a very complex thing many mini projects in within the large project it's it's all about value creation and if it's about the value creation it helps a lot to to do it and it's like in december in january it was about that even if i lose my hands my my legs but still i'm gonna finish it because it's like you get the motivation on the part because you you want to get to the end of the story so, but generally it's hard to, hard to manage uh, stress and burnout. Like you need passion for what you are doing. That helps a lot. So it's really like a motivation and morale. That's uh, unbelievable, a lot of help. And obviously you need some, something like a, find some hobby or, or things that just uh, turn you off on uh, when, you, when you are not working. Positions like this, you don't have a, a really free time so whenever you get a call you, you, you get a call you have to deal with the problem what do you think makes a good leader then you need to be able to give positive feedbacks for people you you need to forget fast <laughs> that's definitely and you to, you need to be good in motivating people that's that's definitely a thing that you need to you need to motivate people that's the, that's the thing that you i'm the like if you if you think about in a, a, a military example, just from the Game of Thrones, when they attack the uh, Lannisters, uh, the Dothrakis with horses, you need to have the people that you say that you spares and shields that they are standing of the part. And, and if you're able to do that and convince them to, to be there, then you are a good leader. Uh, so that's 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 easy. If he, if half of the people are running away and they are not standing in the line and they're not holding the line, then you are probably not a good leader. This part of our podcast, we are going to dig deep into the true, real Gerge Fabian by asking him a questionnaire inspired by Marcel Proust in order to get to know the real Gerge Fabian. And Mr. Fabian, uh, here we go with the first question. What is your idea of perfect happiness? Somewhere where there is no signal. <laughs> what is the quality you most like in a person? Commitment. How do you keep yourself motivated? To create value, something social impact that gets me motivated. What do you consider your greatest achievement? The Money Museum and the Budapest Institute of Banking. Understandably. If you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? I would be able to manage better stress. What is your most treasured possession? My sailship, Rosie. If you were to die and come back as a person or a thing, what would it be? It would be me. Mm. What is your most marked characteristic? I think engagement uh, for work. What do you most value in your friends? 
Honesty. Who are your favorite writers? Asimov. Who is your hero of fiction? I think that would be Demerza from, from the Foundation series. Which historical figure do you most identify with? This is Shina. Uh, I think they were coming from Macedonia, mm. but they became Hungarian, they became very wealthy. They did a lot for the country. They were the the, the bankers, the moving force. Very interesting story, but they, they were never accepted by the Hungarian nobles. Uh-huh, interesting. They were never, uh, one was a best friend of Széchenyi. Yeah. And, and then they left Hungary. They, I think they yeah. lived in Vienna after that, but they were really rich, very successful traders and bankers. It's in the Money Museum as well. What is your motto? Their motto, which is on the chain bridge as well. That's the, the, that's the thing. What is your greatest regret? I have worked too much in mm. the past 12 years, 13 years. If you were to live somewhere else than where you currently live, where would you most like to live? Singapore. What is your motto? Work hard, play hard, man. <laughs> what is the trait you most deplore in others? A dishonesty. Which words or phrases do you most overuse? <laughs> <That's>, uh, <laughs> I, I cannot tell you. <laughs> there, there are too many or too little. Yeah, uh, or not really something that you use in uh, public areas. <laughs> then we could put on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Adam Herzeg, a student at Corvinus University School of Business, definitely like to thank you for co-hosting uh, with me uh, today. My name's Theodore Boone. I'm on the faculty of Corvinus University, uh, and we'd so much like to thank Gerge Fabian, Executive Director of the Budapest Institute of Banking and of the Central Bank of Hungary, as well as a father and curator of the new Money Museum uh, here in Budapest. We'd like to thank you so much for joining our podcast today. And we leave you with these words of Benjamin Franklin. An investment in knowledge pays the best interest.